0: Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Pickskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News, joined by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. Catch us on Twitter at Talking Underscore Tide. You can get links to all of our podcasts there, and of course, you can get us uh, wherever you prefer to get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, and as well live on Facebook and YouTube. Get Talking Tide just about anywhere you want. Uh, And I'm going to thank a couple of sponsors really quickly. Peter Brook, Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa and DraftKings. More on them later in the program. Travis, uh, we pick it up here on this Sunday nighter, looking back at a setback for Alabama basketball, a pretty big and glaring way on the road at Oklahoma. Uh, They lose by 24-93 to 69, the final score in a game that Alabama really was never in. Uh OU came out of the gate with their foot on the gas and and never let off it. At, at one point, I was wondering if if Alabama
1: might lose this one by by 35 or 40. That's the way it was going. It absolutely was. And this was an Oklahoma team that came in right in a three game losing streak. Hadn't scored 60 or more points, Chase, in any of those three losses. And there they are at the half with 50 points and a 17 point lead. You're right. Just not enough energy from Alabama from the outset, not enough engagement, whether it was mental, physical, both uh, didn't show up. It was a no-show in Norman. I think that's the best way to describe it. No question. Uh, defensively,
0: especially. And, and of course, you know, it's a second game in a row where Alabama hasn't shot well. The big difference being they didn't shoot well at home against Mississippi State and won that game really with defense. Uh, in the second half, especially turned it on, got a lot of stops and, and pulled that victory out this game. They shot poorly and their defense was practically non-existent. I mean, OU had 50 at the half easily could have had a hundred and uh, Nate Oates could have emptied the bench with, with nine minutes to go. Probably really. Uh, I thought he emptied the bench a little bit late. I thought yeah. I, I saw star, I saw starters in the game, Longer than I thought I would, certainly well after the outcome was decided. Uh But, uh, you know, and maybe Nate Oates wanted wanted to see how some starters would respond being down that bad.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's where you're getting a little bit of a character check. Um The guys that are in the game, are they going to continue to play hard? I thought Rylan Griffin probably is much of a silver lining for Alabama in this game. As you could have the freshman guard with 15 points made three or four from three-point land, and you're right, the auto-default stat that everyone looks at, especially those that don't watch Alabama on sort of a game-by-game game or day-by-day day basis, is three-point shooting. So you look at Alabama losing by 24 points, you go straight to threes, and they make six of 22, and you go, aha, they didn't shoot the three. Well, this really didn't have that much to do with three-point shooting. This had everything to do with, about a total ineptitude, a total breakdown on the defensive end of the four against the worst-scoring offense in Big 12 basketball. Oklahoma came in dead last in the Big 12 and scoring at around 67, 68 points per game. So, yeah, credit Oklahoma. I mean, a guy like Grant Shurfield, he's done it in a couple places now. This guy can score. He's a legitimate scorer. Any team you put him on in college basketball, But the complimentary pieces, I mean, Jalen Hill goes for, what, 26? Uh, Tanner Groves was a real problem. The transfer from Eastern Washington with a double-double. Alabama just wasn't willing to do or go to the extent that it had to go to in a a tough place to play. They lost there a couple of years ago. And this was a desperate Oklahoma team at this point, you know? It wasn't a conference game for either team. But for Oklahoma, in terms of its – ncaa tournament chances they had to have this one just as much as they're going to need to have any of them coming up in the big 12 big feather in the
0: cap for oklahoma no question yeah. about it and they've got a long road to climb in big 12 play i think they're what two and six or something in in, in, in and yeah. big 12 action so uh greatly not, not not the oklahoma team that that uh you expect they're usually better than that but against Alabama they were absolutely lights out could not miss uh Sherfield as you mentioned he poured in 30 for the Sooners 11 of 20 shooting 4 out of 5 from three point range OU was 9 out of 13 for the game from three point range they hit him uh from the free throw line as well and uh uh yeah Alabama just just absolutely did not show up ready to play this one they now turn to uh, a home game against vanderbilt travis that'll be uh tuesday night seven thirty p.m tip off it'll air on sec network and uh an opportunity for this team to kind of kind of put that one behind them, i guess travis and just kind of shake it off and say and and, and nate oates said it after the game uh it's uh it, it, it it is a character check for this team to get beat like that and then turn around a couple days later, play Vanderbilt at home, uh, got a chance to uh, r- redeem themselves, at least in some measure, against the Commodores pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, I know there's the sentiment out there that this is the kind of game that you don't really dwell on. You just throw it away and keep it moving. And I don't think it is a game that you just wallow around in. I don't believe that. I do think you absolutely use it as a teaching tool in the next couple of days before you get Vanderbilt in Tuscaloosa because this wasn't just a one-off. We had seen some of this in the first half against Mississippi State. So it is not – it is absolutely not a time to panic. But I do think if you're Nate Oates, it's something that you're going to present to your team. I think there are cut-ups from that game Saturday – where you can show your guys they weren't willing to do some of the hard hat things that he talks about so much, so much of the blue collar things like getting into a stance, sitting down, guarding people, talking on the defensive end, communication, straining when it's required. I You definitely hammer home those things because that's the foundation of this program. We can talk about talent with guys like Brandon Miller and uh, the ability for this team to go deep with its lineups and and get production. But the core tenet that he has constantly preached about, right, is blue collar, work ethic, 50-50 balls, getting on the floor, taking charges. We didn't ever see that on Saturday, and we didn't see it for some of the Mississippi State game either.
0: No, no. Uh, they looked like a team that thought they were going to get the W uh, just rolling the balls out, and uh, it absolutely – Did not happen. Uh, Griffin, like you said, probably uh, the lone silver lining. He did have a nice game for Alabama. They put five guys uh, in double-figure scoring, but uh, just could not shoot it well at all. Six out of 22 from three-point range. You combine that with a five-for-28 effort against Mississippi State, and they're now 11 of their last 50 over over the last two games from three-point range. Had a a little stretch in non-conference play, too, Travis, where they went ice cold uh, from three-point range for a couple games, and then they found it again. Uh, But I I think if you're Alabama, Travis, especially as we get toward, you know, we're still a ways off, I guess, from the postseason. But the lesson, I think the takeaway lesson in large measure for this team has got to be, look, you're not going to shoot the three great every single night but you better bring the defense every single night because that's what got you over the hump against Mississippi State, and that's what kept you from even having a chance against
1: OU. And getting to the free throw line at a high rate. And they got there 21 times even on Saturday, but they only made 13 of those. So, again, three-point shooting is very much a staple of this program under Nate Oates. This team has shown an ability to defend at a high level and to get to the free throw line and convert at a high level. That needs to continue to happen on a consistent basis for this team to meet its full potential. And I do think three-point shooting is a part of that. Kind of goes hand-in-hand with Noah Clowney's struggles of late. He's on a real uh, slump right now from beyond the arc. And I think he's 0 for his last 20 or so. From three, uh, but he's been able to make it up some at the free throw line. But it, it just really didn't happen in any aspect for this team Saturday. And again, as much as anything, I thought it just started with the lack of engagement mentally, uh, and then how that transpires into the physical aspect of things.
0: Yeah, and, and really, <clears throat> this is a team as good as Clowney can be when he's hot. They don't need Noah Clowney bombing three pointers. Mm-hmm. He's he's got a he's a good enough rebounder. And a good enough—he's got good enough touch around the basket that NATO that Alabama would be just fine if Noah Clowney didn't shoot threes. Um, and He's not to say he shouldn't shoot them because uh, he's proven that he can knock them down, even though he's in a cold stretch right now. But they've got so many guys uh, that can shoot from the outside, Travis. That uh, uh, I just assume Clowney hang around the
1: rim. Here's here's what I thought Oklahoma did too and this sort of it, it goes back to you as an old school guy as sort of uh, you're pretty much mid-range mark. I like to refer to you as, you know, uh, because you're yeah. not all in on these threes and this, you know, attack the rim and the ball screens, but if they're not getting clean looks off the screens up top and then they're not able to get to the rim or throw the lob on the roll what's 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 left what's left the mid-range game and I know Nate doesn't like it but teams are going to continue to play them in a way where I think they're going to have to be okay with from time to time at least from the elbow or in that mid-range game whether it's Clowney whether it's Jaden Bradley whether it's Mark Sears being able to knock down that 12 to 16 footer I know it doesn't fit the plan necessarily Um, And I know first and foremost, you're going to look to shoot the three and get directly to the rim. Um, But I think Oklahoma also provided a little bit of a blueprint defensively Uh, to some teams. At least you're going to see them try. It doesn't mean they're going to be successful, uh, but I do think that's something you could see more of. And you know what? You
0: also don't see, Travis, and, and uh, you, you put me on my soapbox. That's fine. I don't I, I, I don't mind riding it. I'll ride the rims on it. Yes. But uh, how about throwing it into the post and letting the bigs create with their backs to the basket a little bit,
1: right? Yeah, but Bettyaco have... doesn't have a back to the basket game, does he? Or maybe and why people don't know that he does because of the well, way they play. He, he doesn't have it because they don't develop it. Clowney you know, I mean, had a situation in the game Saturday where if he had a baby hook like seven feet from the bucket, he had a clean look. But I don't know if he mm-hmm. has that in his arsenal yet. So then he goes back the other way, and, and it's a tough shot going away from the bucket. You know what I mean? That, that, I mean, that's, it's right, that's reasonable right. what you're saying. But I, I just don't think uh, – I, no. I, I don't know. I know they work on post-development. I know that. But it's just not something mm-hmm. that they, they look to do at all. Really? Now, maybe if, if they no, had they more don't. that kind of guy, maybe if they had more of that kind of guy, they would. But even in the previous seasons under Nate, you know, Alex Reese was a three-point shooter, right? I mean, and mm-hmm. he was six nine, six ten. So you know, it could be a couple different things there. Noah Gurley occasionally will get we'll
0: get fed in the post with his back to the basket every once in a while. I think give maybe you a little we'll Melvin a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, You but, want a little Melvin
1: uh, Cheatham's what you want.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Erwin Dudley Yeah. David Benoit. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's right. Not, I got whatever you. it takes.
1: Roy Rogers. Uh, at
0: any rate. Yeah. <laughs> uh at any rate, Alabama goes down by twenty-four to the sooners, and uh Travis and I will be uh Back next Sunday to uh, recap the latest. By the time we podcast again, Alabama will have played Vanderbilt at home and LSU on the road. They take on uh, the Tigers in Baton Rouge next Saturday, Travis. So uh, two more games to look forward to there. going to talk a little bit of football on the back end of the program but first. Uh, going to thank a couple of sponsors really quickly. going to start by telling you all about – DraftKings. Stage is set for the NFL postseason. Super Bowl is on. Chiefs and Eagles. No better way to get ready for all the action than with the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL and Super Bowl 57. New customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot At an even bigger payout with the DraftKings. Stepped up same-game parlays. Check those out as well. You got to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code TPPN. And as a new customer, you can bet $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions
1: apply going to tell you about Peter Brook Chocolates here out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa of course you know that those babies right there those hand dipped chocolate strawberries which by the way hand dipped daily at Peter Brook Chocolates here not every other day not every 3 days every day first thing every morning Monday through Saturday they're hand dipping those chocolate strawberries whether it's the milk chocolate whether it's the white chocolate the dark chocolate they can take great care of you and of course it is the absolute season for those hand dipped chocolate strawberries because Valentine's Day coming up right here upon us as we move into the month of February go ahead and pre-order your chocolate covered strawberries at 205 7520211 give them a call Monday through Saturday 10 to 8 the hours of Peter Brook Chocolatier Tuscaloosa, and they're going to take great care of you. You can swing by as well. It is at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa, the champions of chocolate, Peter Brook Chocolatier. Representing here. Nice. Big nice. Peter Brook we we love to see it. popcorn, yes. Absolutely. It's there a winner.
0: It's a winner here in the Good Bread House for sure. All right, the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Pod. Move really quickly uh, before we move on to football. Uh, we'll we'll sign off the basketball discussion, Travis, with a a comment from one of our viewers and listeners, David Dalrymple. Uh, he says, "Oh, you should have won our our, our dad award." Very nice. Ah. Yeah, uh, got,
1: got Nate may have left that head. one in Norman. He may have, the, whatever, whatever hard hat he took, he may have just left it, you know, in yeah. bad luck. Or I, I, I thought, you know, in the game thread at bammalonline.com, I, I commented that maybe an a Alabama manager would get it, you know, for that one. But uh, uh, yeah, I think we're on the sort of same wavelength there, Daryl. All right. Uh,
0: Talking Tide podcast, moving on. A little bit of Senior Bowl talk, Travis. Senior Bowl week getting underway this week uh, we've learned that uh, Jordan battle has withdrawn from the game he was last in first out um, I, I kind of get the sense he kind of just put his toe in the water a little bit with the senior bowl um, but uh, and, and you know it, it's uh, it's a decision that all these guys have to make and it's a good decision to play for some maybe not for some others I would have thought it would have been a good decision for Jordan battle but uh, his choice was to withdraw. Nevertheless, still seven Alabama players uh, involved in this one. Tyler Steen, and Mill Echior on the offensive line. DJ Dale, Byron Young on the defensive line. Uh, you got DeMarco Hellams involved. It's a, it's a big
1: contingent. It is. Were you a little surprised by that with battle? Because the way I view the senior bowl these days and kind of the way I view him without being a guy that's knee deep in in draft info or his position and the type of year it is coming up in the draft for safeties. He just seems like he fits that area where he might go in the draft where the senior bowl can be beneficial to him, I guess is what I'm saying. But without knowing everything he's got going on, I don't know if he has an injury. I don't know if there's something else he's dealing with. But just on the surface, looking at it, isn't he sort of in that range where it can be a, a a really good
0: thing for him. There's no question. I, I mean, he and and like you said, maybe this is injury related. and If it is, you can't you can't criticize right. the decision to withdraw. However, he didn't have a great season. His, his senior year wasn't spectacular, Travis. Um, especially from a, a production uneventful standpoint, of other,
1: other than tackles, yeah, uneventful. Yeah, I would. Call I mean, it. he 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 cleaned maybe, up some and plays, maybe, that, and maybe the defensive staff kind of figured that's the way it would be for him. The role that they asked him to play because for whatever it's worth at the end of the year banquet, he got one of the three defensive excellence awards Yeah, but that yeah. was supposedly based on production points. And when and you cap- look at his captain. numbers and a captain, which is fine, that's more into, I get that. That's intangibles related to, and how he is perceived and followed by his teammates. But when I hear production points, Right or wrong, I think statistics and mm-hmm. Jordan tackles wise, pretty good numbers. But as far as making plays on the ball, um, really, other than the interception against K-State, right, in the first half in New Orleans, right. that was about the extent of it in 13 games for Jordan Battle.
0: First pick of the year came in the Sugar Bowl. Mm-hmm. And, and look, you, you know, interceptions aren't always the greatest indicator of what kind of year a player is having but when you have, when you start all year and, and you have none um, and you're low on pass breakups, too, then that, that's, a, that's a production issue. I think he had two pass breakups going mm-hmm. into the Sugar Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but uh, like you said, you know, he, he was a quality tackler um, and uh, cleaned up a lot that got away from the front seven. But bottom line, yeah, I think the Senior Bowl could have helped him. Uh, he can help himself, certainly, at the Combine. I think he's probably going to run in in the in the high four fives, um, mm-hmm. which, which won't be too bad for him as a safety. Uh, but uh, and, and what Demarco Helms does, obviously, will be uh, critical at the combine as well. But Helms and Battle are in pretty similar buckets, I think, as as NFL prospects overall. And and uh, Helms will be down there. Campbell too, uh, headed
1: down there as well. So uh, a big contingent, even without Battle. Yeah, it is. And you're right. Uh, You talk about every guy that's in that game for Alabama. They're in that aforementioned range. Um, Maybe some a little higher and some a little lower, but a big week. No doubt about it for all those guys.
0: Coordinator searches moves on for Nick Saban. Travis, before we get out of here, we'll touch on those really quickly. The offensive and defensive coordinator role remain open for Nick Saban clock ticking a little bit. Uh, My understanding is he may not make an appearance in Mobile as as he often does. So remains to be seen if uh, reporters will get a chance to ask Saban about how those searches are going uh, in Mobile this week, because he he may or may not make the trip. Uh, But nevertheless, uh, as you mentioned in our last podcast, uh, spring practice preparation is a real thing. And uh, you, you would think that uh, when you and I reconvene next Sunday night, won't be surprising at all if one or both of those hires has been made.
1: Yeah, I think with also the recruiting window coming to a close, I think maybe tonight or this weekend for sure, because you've got the late signing date coming up on Wednesday as well, it, it wouldn't surprise me either. if, and, and I think he's already done a lot of due diligence on candidates. Um, but as far as finalizing his choices for both offensive and defensive coordinator and understanding there's maybe a in-house candidate or two that he's considering for one, if not both those positions, um, I, I would be surprised also if we're sitting here a week from tonight and we don't have at least one of those guys figured out if not both. Yeah. Yeah. It's,
0: uh, It's about time to pull the trigger. I think if uh, if you're Nick Saban, Glenn Glenn Schumann, the co-defensive coordinator at Georgia, a guy that's been heavily mentioned as a strong candidate for that DC position. Travis uh, Jeff Levy at Oklahoma strongly mentioned for that OC role. Um, My money's on Schumann for the DC pick. I don't have quite. I don't feel like I have a great handle on what might happen on the offensive side, though.
1: Yeah, I think offensively, there there's probably some, some things that are going on um, that, that are requiring a, a little bit more of an extensive uh, amount of work from Nick uh, on that side of the ball to make sure he gets the right guy. I think defensively, obviously, Jeremy Pruitt's been talked about a lot. There's just so much to clear up there um, that that yeah. makes that one murky at best. Um, And then you do have an in-house guy like a Todd Grantham uh, that that could get consideration as well. But you're right, as we've seen in the past, you know, Nick, when you think he's going to zig, he'll zag. Um, And not always easy to to connect dots with Nick Saban.
0: All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Travis and I will be back next Sunday night. Talking more Alabama basketball, and uh, we suspect possibly a coordinator hire by that point as well. Looking forward to that. Thanks to our listeners. Thanks to our viewers here on Talking Tide. We'll see you next week.